Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. Nice to see you here this morning. Nice to see Dr. Livolsi off his sick bed. And of course, we have a communion service today. I find with communion service that there's a lot of confusion. There certainly was in the church of Corinth. In the church of Corinth, they loved to have potlucks. And I don't know what they called them, agape feasts or whatever it might have been, but they were divisive, divisive events. Some would get food, some would not get food. The rich would sit at one end of the room, the poor at the other. And there was a, there was a totally wrong attitude before they took the bread and the wine sim- symbolizing the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know because of the text that's hidden away there in 1 Corinthians 11, if it scares people away from communion service. But the ones who really, really badly need communion service are those who realize that they're sinners. Any sinners here today? Okay, just a few. Any non-sinners here today? I didn't see too many hands. So let's be really, really clear. If we treat these emblems of Christ in a sacred way, we we are very sensitive to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, then we absolutely need to partake of the communion service. Now, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, this is how the Apostle Paul, very similar to how Jesus talks about some of these things, puts it this way, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. What did he do? took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we could say that from those verses that the communion service is a time of remembrance. Just like our memorial service this afternoon is a time of remembrance. So what are we remembering about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, one thing that we're remembering, we're looking back. We're looking back 2,000 years ago approximately when a man called Jesus Christ was walking this earth. We have records outside of the Bible that seem to indicate that this man, Jesus Christ, really did live. Of course, we believe he lived because of what we read in the Bible. It's interesting to know that there is extra-biblical material, too, on Jesus. And as we look back to the life of this Lord Jesus Christ, 
we see him fulfilling prophecy. So if we did a very careful study of the Old Testament, which was the only Bible that they had in the early first century in the time of Jesus, then we would find many, many prophecies pointing forward to some uh, figure, some, some entity coming who would be a suffering servant, for example. And of course, that's very relevant when we come to think of the, the life, and especially the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was persecuted. Jesus was tortured. Most of you know that story. He was spat on. He was mocked. What else did Jesus do for you and I 2,000 years ago? He was whipped. That was part of the process of torture, I suppose. And eventually, he was nailed to a cross. We know from biblical and non-biblical records that this was a, a form of execution for the vilest of criminals. And yet the amazing thing about Jesus is that he himself and others said, said that he did no harm to anybody. And in Isaiah is the, is the secret to this death of Jesus. His sins were laid, our sins rather, were laid upon him. He died in our place. He died as a non-sinner, the sinner's death. So that you and I here this morning who believe in Jesus might have not only the forgiveness of our sins, but the gift of eternal life. So when I look back 2,000 years, I see the body of Christ. We talked briefly at 9.30 this morning about the significance of the body. Paul likens it to a flimsy tent, and one day we will have an eternal, uh, substantial body, a heavenly body. But we think of the, the body of Christ. He took human form, was the God-man. His blood was shed for us. There are some Christians that really have a hard time with the blood. All references to the blood they want out of the hymnal. I don't understand that. The blood signifies his life shed for us. And of course, we also remember the foot washing, as John gives it to us in his, his gospel, how these disciples uh, were jockeying for position, completely had the wrong mindset, and Jesus took the role of a servant and washed their feet. And we commemorate that in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Not too many Christians do that anymore. But we feel it's an opportunity to, to make sure that our hearts are right before we come in to partake of the, the emblems of our Lord Jesus Christ. The important thing he emphasized with the foot washing was to love one another. It's no use looking back 2,000 years at this tremendous death of the Lord Jesus Christ unless it leads you to love him more and more and to love one another more deeply. So those are some of the things that I would want us to, to remember. And maybe one other thing, that Jesus fulfilled what Jeremiah called the new covenant. 
So if we see Jesus saying in, in these verses or some other similar verses in Matthew, this is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus fulfilled all the demands of a holy God. He, there was nothing missed. And you and I who trust in him, looking back 2,000 years ago, are made right with God. But not only do we look back with this communion service, we always also look forward. Does the text not tell us? Does Jesus himself, Paul repeating what Jesus said, um, whenever you drink this, this cup and eat this bread, you proclaim the Lord's death until he, he comes. So is the Bible teaching that Jesus will come back again? I heard one yes. Aren't we called seventh day something? Seventh day Adventists. Jesus will come back. I go to prepare a place for you. And I have, now here's a tremendous promise. This man doesn't lie. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will do what? I will. Oh, yes, you do believe it. Hallelujah. I was getting worried for a moment there. So, we also look forward to this great judgment day. Not a fearful thing for the believer, a day of, of emancipation and redemption. And as we were talking about earlier today, a time of receiving and a glorified, immortal, sinless, ah, that sinless word, you can actually use it, sinless body. A body that Paul says is a substantial heavenly habitation, No tension between the old life and the new life. A body like, somehow, someway, like his glorious body. And of course, if we had time this morning, we could look at this second coming of Jesus Christ in, the, in terms of, of last day events. But the point I want to emphasize here for simplicity is Jesus will come back again. Do not allow the good news of that message to become old and stale, but always keep on your tiptoes looking for the day of the Lord and hastening the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we look back to the past, we look forward to the future, but also we must lay some focus on today to examine our hearts, to realize that even our best performance often falls short of the standard that God would want for us, and yet not to be overly discouraged because of that. There is a place, an important place in the Christian life for reflection. But don't become too morbid. Don't dwell too long on the self-examination time. This is a good opportunity for self-examination. Don't you think so? If there's anything on our calendar that lends itself to that, it's today. But not just to self-examination. You can't dwell there too long. Maybe while you participate in the foot washing would be a good opportunity to do that. But then when we come back to 
to uh, participate of the, the bread and the wine, symbolizing the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, we come back to celebrate. Celebrate that our sins are indeed forgiven. Celebrate that we are clothed in His righteousness. Celebrate the tremendous promise that He will come back and He will glorify us and give us a body like His own amazing body. So when we come back into this sanctuary, we're coming back with a spring in our step. We're coming back with a smile on our face. Are we happy that Jesus died for us? Well, in a way we are, and in a way we wish there was some other possibility, but God in His wisdom has ordained things this way. He knows what He is doing, and our only hope is in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This whole concept of Passover um, was one of freedom and one of redemption. There was the joy of victory. And as was said earlier, I believe in one of the statements or the prayers from up front here, let's do what we can. I believe it was in Randy's prayer. Let's do what we can to share this good news of Jesus. The good news that he died for us 2,000 years ago. The good news that he is coming back soon in the future. And the good news that he can dwell via the Holy Spirit in our lives today. We have a lot of good news, don't we? It's all centered around Jesus Christ. But let's make sure that we share that good news with the community in which we find ourselves. As we leave this building, let's make sure that we share Jesus Christ in, in the marketplace of ideas. Let's uh, bow our heads as we separate at this time. Gracious Father, we, there's no other way to look at Jesus than to say He is good news. It's all about Jesus Christ. He covered all the bases. Um, we can only put our confidence and our trust in Him. Now, Lord, as we examine our hearts, lay them bare before You. We ask for You to fill them with the Holy Spirit, fill them with hope, with assurance of, of salvation. We thank You for the amazing sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And help us to share this good news with whoever will hear. Is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.